0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care
0: ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. You should have been
1: pulled in the fog that they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the
0: fog that they have faith in you.
1: It is 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Live. Uncensored. It's Michael Govier for the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Part of the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network, which sort of exists. The Rota Fanatic is a website that I own and run with a bunch of great people. So if you love fantasy baseball, check out rotofanatic.com. we got a new season coming. Even though there's a lockout happening, a lot of good stuff to get to. Today, there's no Deary. He's a little under the weather, so wish him well. Don't forget, Palazzo Podcast, two L's and two Z's. Utah, give me two. That's right. Thank you, Gary. Today's guest is someone that I have been looking forward to talking to and I you probably think I say that all the time and hell I probably do because I look forward to talking to a lot of different people but in particular Austin Byler is a guy who has a unique experience a baseball experience which connects to our baseball discussions but then also incredible challenges and experiences with mental health and substance use disorder and he knows a lot about all of this stuff cuz he's lived it so I don't know if there's a guest who's more in tune with what we're trying to do here when it comes to knowing baseball, he lived it, and mental health, substance use disorder, these things, addiction overall, these experiences, he gets it. Anxiety, depression, he lives it. You can check out all of his work Major League University, which is a great, great place for development, growth, inspiration. I am honored, thrilled, and excited to have the man himself, Austin Bodley here. Austin, welcome to the Palazzo Podcast.
2: Michael, this is the greatest intro I have ever received in my life. This is incredible. And I need to take my energy, my energy is like a level two right now. It needs to get to <laughs> level 10 energy. Uh, you're bringing the noise, man. I'm fired up to be here. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm real good. I've really been looking forward to this. You have such a fascinating
1: story. And people say this. And, you know, if you listen to a million podcasts, you're going to hear a lot of different repetitive stories because human nature is repetitive that's why cliches exist that's why habits exist because
2: we all have a lot of common threads in fact more common threads than we probably realize right austin 100 mm, man it's crazy to see how many people have so much in common and we don't think we're that alike <laughs> You fight about all these little <laughs> things but it's like man you, you deal with the same things i deal with just in different measures yes yes i know
1: you live it you you don't just talk about it. I had listened to your and watched your little message. This is almost two years old now. Wow. To high schoolers going back to school in 2020. And people remember COVID had kind of kicked up and 2020 was our big year of COVID. It shut down the world and it was going to be a strange time. And you were so honest in the way you described How it is the world works. It's not about your images. It's not about the things physically you think you're connected to. It's about who you are in here. That's what defines you.
2: No games, no teams, no clicks, right? And I really dug that. I appreciate that, man. I think it just came at a really opportune time with kids going back to school and uh, and just seeing it firsthand going into schools of the imagery, the, hey, I'm comparing myself to this or that, the Instagrams, right? The, the Snapchats and all the social media that's kind of taking it to a whole new level uh, if we let it. And so just really allowing these kids, man, to believe in themselves. That's a, a main message of that, that message. So I'm pumped you like that one. That's cool, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not a high schooler anymore, but I still remember <laughs> what it's like to go to high school. And I taught high school social studies for five years. So I'm always going to feel connected to those kids. I I get it. Mm -hmm. And everything seems so serious. Everything seems so intense when you're that age. We all understand what that means, but it still happens every time. Because every time a human's born and goes through the experience, that experience happens again. And the older we get, we get tired of it. We're like, oh, well, you know, I've been through that. And it's got to. It's got to go. We got to mature beyond that. But new people have to go through the experience every time. So I think your messaging really sets a tone in a way that's not cheesy either. And this is one of the big things, Austin, I want to mention off the top is when people talk about self-improvement or self-help, if you will, these are labels that people have created with negative connotations at times because other people have swooped into the space and they have tainted it with Fraudulent activities, uh inauthentic representations of attempts to be wholesome and helpful and useful. And we have to remember that we're not gonna let them take this space from us. We're here to help. We're here to be of service to people. And we're not gonna let the people who have come in. There are some of them. I'm not gonna go name every name over the history of time, but those people, they don't own this. They don't own what it means to be human, what it means to be part of a community and to connect with others and what it means to feel good about ourselves and give ourselves positive intentions. That's not a bad thing. It's not cheesy. And I commend you for doing what you do and I'm going to keep doing it the way I do it. So thank you for doing it. And thank you to us for keeping it real because without being authentic and genuine, people are going to think it's all fraudulent. It's not real and it's inauthentic. And I can't have that. I won't allow it because there's too many people who need help.
2: Oh, amen to that, man. There, You mentioned something there, the authenticity of it. It's like, um, and I say this all the time, high schoolers especially are the biggest BS sniffers. Because if you go in there and you present to a bunch of high schoolers, they smell it from a mile away. And, and if you're <laughs> real and genuine and you and you come from the heart, I mean, they're locked in dialed in because they're going through it too. Just like you said, everything's on this maximum level. And it's like, man, I, I can't do anything right. And it feels like the whole world's bearing down on you. But uh, I'm with you, man. That's you, just big time. <laughs>
1: Hey, great. All right, so this is the standard spiel. We all do it It's part of being on a show. If people have never heard you before, that's the whole point, I think, too, is to go on to new places and connect with new faces. So give us the quick spiel of why you are who you are right now and what you're doing and tell them what Major League
2: University is about in a reasonable amount of time absolutely man we'll keep it uh we'll keep it in snippets <laughs> uh, so for me grew up in arizona uh very competitive in baseball was a baseball player my whole life and identified as an athlete for majority of my life so far and uh played very competitive high school baseball. I had the opportunity to go to the university of Nevada Reno to play a uh, division one baseball there in college, and then got drafted by the diamondbacks in 2015 and decided to go uh, into the draft there and, and go play for the D backs uh, in 2015 to 18. Um, but throughout that time, right. I think getting into now it's, uh, there was a lot of things that went on, right? So I get into college in my second year, I finally faced a little bit of adversity uh, going into the the morning lifts, right? Well, the first year the morning lifts and, and all those things, but second year, real life hit. And I got hurt middle of the season. I'm crushing it. Statistically. I'm, I'm in the top of every category on offense and uh, I'm just, I'm right there. I'm getting the talks of you, Hey, you get to go play for team USA this summer. If you don't, if that doesn't work out, it's the Cape Cod baseball league. And in my head, I'm doing the statistics, right? I'm like, let's go. Right. hundred percent of team USA makes it to the big leagues. 85% of Cape Cod league gets drafted. And so I'm like, man, I'm one step away from my dream. And so at the end of April, I get hurt and uh, I had a choice to make and the choice was either sit out, rehab, hope that I come back stronger than ever, maybe get surgery. I was a couple of days away from potentially getting surgery, Uh, never end up getting it or mask the physical pain at the time with prescription medications, uh, specifically opiates. And at this point, right, I'm weighing these decisions, and there was a pitcher on our team who, ironically, just got surgery and got hurt and had a bunch of Norco's. And I'm sitting there like, okay. He's like, hey, dude, try one of these, right? See how it works for you on the field. And I'm like, all right, Tylenol's not working, the leaves not working, ibuprofen sucks. Like, I'll try it out. I'll try it out. I go two for four. I hit a bomb. I hit a double. And I'm like, dude. I'm invincible. I need more. All <laughs> right. So it started with the physical uh, side of things. And then as I continued to go through this and I healed physically, mentally and emotionally, I wasn't healed. I was broken. And so it led to a bunch of depression and anxiety. Um, somehow got drafted twice through all of this and had a lot of success. I had the opportunity to be an All-American twice. And um, then it got to professional baseball and I'm an all star. I'm crushing it. Top 20 prospect. Life's good. Hey, leave all that stuff in the past in 2015. And uh, I go back to Instructs and I get invited into the office and it's third base coach and the head GM and they're sitting there and they're like, by look, you failed the drug test. You're going to miss the first 50 games the next year. And so my life just went whoosh, straight through the tank i had no idea what to do i had to call my parents coaches all those people that meant a lot to me and and shared that story with them and so um, from that moment on the anxiety the depression the the anxiousness when my phone rings uh it was real especially for those next two or three years and so uh, thankfully in 2018 I was saved um, by an awesome dude uh, fellowship of christian athletes he really just brought me in and, and was allowed or not allowed but helped me find other outlets that could be healthy and live my best life so that's the the brief synopsis there and then now maybe major league university using those same experiences that I had throughout professional ball and college baseball, even high school and using them for high school and uh, and college athletes right now through mindset and leadership development, Uh, just teaching them healthier ways. And then a lot of different uh, professional speaking as well.
1: Oh yeah. You are good at that. You got tons of videos. There's the YouTube page as well. So if people want to see you and hear you, you can go there. I subbed it today myself.
2: So let's go. Hey, now climbing baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know how hard it is to grow and reach out and connect with people through YouTube. So uh, we're kind of in the same realm there in terms of subs and trying to build that up. It takes time and patience. Uh, Do you ever get exhausted? Like, man, why are we doing this here? Like maybe we should just focus on another area. Cause there's a lot of people who I talk to in this realm of the industry and they say, well, maybe I should just do this one thing. How do you know when too much is too much in terms of all the avenues?
2: move such a good question it's so when I look at it all I do do fall victim to that sometimes and just being real with it there's times where I'm like man why how's the YouTube not growing what we do is awesome does nobody else like it? <laughs> like, Why aren't people just subscribing? But then you see something completely cheesy and stupid on social media and it's blowing up. I'm like, well, this is like meaningless to everyone. Like, what, what am I missing here? Um, so I guess I'm not uh, in a bikini on TikTok and that stuff doesn't work that well. <laughs> I might not be able to get the amount of views there, but um, I think it's just sticking in your path, and staying in your lane and, and not being afraid to branch out and do some different things, um, utilizing the platforms and what they give us an awesome opportunity to reach people organically. And uh, ideally, just being able to put up content on different uh, social platforms. And if somebody sees it similar to this, hey, you get a great connection out of it and you get to build that. So uh, I think just not getting caught up so much in the likes, the retweets or the views and more caught up in the impact that you're working to make and and the real reason why you got into it in the first place. So um, I don't think there's ever any time that you should ever sell yourself short. I think going out, being passionate, express yourself, go do your thing. Um, And if you're authentic and genuine, like you mentioned in the beginning, you're going to reach the right people and you're going to make that impact that you're looking to make. Woo! How about that? That is fire.
1: Damn! That's pretty good. That's the
2: kind of stuff we like to
1: hear on this show. And we've got Austin Byler live. If you want to connect with him, you can follow him on Twitter for starts. At Austin Byler, B-Y-L-E-R 1414. Was that your number uh, back in the day?
2: Yes, that was the high school number right there. The OG tag right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who uh, Was there a player that you loved like growing up? This The baseball player that you uh,
2: immortalized? I really like Derek Jeter. I thought Derek Jeter was legendary, oh. the captain. I thought he was, and I was a Yankees fan too. So uh, Jeter for sure was one. Griffey was another one. But I, I really like Jeter, man. I like the Yankees.
1: <laughs> well, you know, around here. Go Tigers. We're big Tigers fans. <laughs> live in the Detroit area here. But actually, I wonder if I got to update that Go Tigers because Ed Orgeron is no longer the head ball coach at LSU. But I, know. I still love the drop. I don't care. Go Tigers either way. And Derek Jeter is from Michigan. He was from Kalamazoo. So West Side. Yeah. But there's still a connection there. So I can respect that. Derek (laughs) Jeter was the kind of guy who presented. I often wonder, a guy like Derek Jeter, he looks so polished. He seems so smooth. And I'm not just talking about his playing. I'm talking about his presence everywhere. You wonder what kind of mental health problems or struggles or challenges he ever Mm -hmm. had. We can't label him and i'm not trying to do that what i'm thinking about is a guy who looks one way is still a human being and even if he was on the top of the mountain you know he had challenges to get to where he ended up being as a human and i i think those kind of stories would resonate well if we ever learn things about people who look so professional and clean cut and seem so stoic you know
2: hmm yeah there's the vulnerability, man, the vulnerability of somebody's story. and we see it all the time with uh, professional athletes, specifically actors, actresses, and people in the limelight. and we think that everything they have is perfect. and in reality, it's, I think it's just maximized. <laughs> and and they're they're really <laughs> dealing with it. They just don't say it, right? They don't share it. and And thankfully, some have come out and shared it. The NFL's done a great job of speaking out on mental health and some of the things that their athletes are experiencing in the commercials and those things., uh, but it's only the beginning, man. and and uh, there was never a, a time I remember, one of our old chaplains was like, man, I went into the Dodgers locker room probably 10, 15 years ago. And you're looking around the room and number one, the, the dude's like, I don't even feel like I belong. There's millions of millions of dollars in this room, multi, multi-million dollar contracts. Uh, but some of the most broken human beings that he's ever been around due to sex, drugs, alcohol, all the stuff that fame sometimes brings. So I'd be really curious to know um, some of the things that a lot of these guys and girls are experiencing on that elite level, and we saw some with Simone Biles and with some of the other people in the, in the tennis industry, right, who came out about it. Um, just that pressure that we put on ourselves sometimes.
1: that Naomi Osaka? Was she yep. the one who... Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of that? Because some people, some people are saying, I'm not going to say that. I've just listened to other shows and people had comments like, you know, you're a professional athlete. You have an obligation to engage with the public, but... I don't know if that's fair. I think every individual is entitled to their own individual situation to represent themselves as they please, especially in a sport like tennis, which is not a team sport.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, that one's tough, right? That one's tough because you sign up for it. But then again, it doesn't mean you have to go do all those things, right? Especially in a, an individual sport with the media. And then the media blows it out of proportion. And then everybody starts. And comment, no, right? like, that's ridiculous. Those are
1: lies. Scandalous lies. How dare you?
2: I know. I might get banned here soon. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I think she has the right to do whatever she feels is right. And I think any athlete does, right? And any coach, anybody, right? And obviously you sign up for it and you got to show up to the interviews and those things. But um, sometimes you're just not in the right mental headspace to do so. And you've got millions of people watching. And that right there is enough to put a lot of pressure on you, especially when you're not feeling good in the first place. So um, mm. I don't know. I think what, what she did is courageous and everybody has their own opinion. You can go either way. Um, yes, you did sign up for but life happens right and there's a lot more under the behind the scenes that we don't even know about
1: damn straight there's no doubt about it we try to assume we know everything especially with these mm-hmm. public public situations, and I want to focus more on individuals, human beings, communities connected within real-world situations that you and I are focused in. So before we get into all that, make sure you're following Austin on Twitter, at AustinBiler14. Follow me, MJ Govier on Twitter. G-O-V is in Victor I-E-R. The Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's. You Utah. That's always the case. Give yeah, me two. On Twitter. Uh, Instagram, if you need that. Sub the YouTube channel. I know this is a lot of information. This is the first show. This is the first official full show we've done since October, because we took a break, baseball season ended, and we thought we deserved a break. Do you think it's important to take a break, Austin?
2: Absolutely, man. You definitely need it, and that's speaking to, to my language right there. I need to take one, <laughs> so having that <laughs> aspect right there, man, it is very important to take a breather every once in a while. No doubt about it. Do you grind? Th- you did you grind throughout the holidays? Then I did. I did. We had a wow. big launch coming. Uh, well, it's starting tomorrow with our, our NFT project, so that's been a, a big. Time, I don't want to say time consumer, but just a lot of our time and attention has been to that. And, and my initial reading was, hey, take a couple weeks off, chill. And then it was like, okay, these weeks off aren't going into weeks off. They're working. And so um, probably should have taken more of that week or two off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I know the feeling so very well. I always think it's important to step aside. And that's what I did. I recharge, and I'm ready to go now for 2022. I am, I'm cheesy when it comes to New Year's resolutions. I love them. I love a fresh slate. I love a new opportunity, yeah. a chance at a new beginning. It's my thing. I'll always be that way. At least I know who I am. But as far as this NFT thing, let's talk about it. So NFTs are fascinating, non-fungible tokens. Some people really just will never understand it. And that's just how it's always going to be. But there's definitely a space here now where we can really put things out that we want to share with the
2: world on our own terms. And it can help people. So what's the deal with the Sandlot? Yeah, So our project, Project Sandlot, uh, our whole goal is to help underprivileged and low-income youth athletes have the resources educationally as well as athletically to go out and do things that the everyday child usually gets to do. So going to Cooperstown, New York for the baseball tournament, uh, getting to donate to a team to go out for whatever it might be, um, putting on camps, leadership events, those types of deals for, for just kids, right. And getting them more involved and engaged with each other. Um, something that we've seen in Phoenix, right. Specifically is uh, ever since COVID, especially, well, especially since COVID uh, a lot of the sports programs have been eliminated. And a lot of the families in those communities, especially in South Phoenix, don't have financial resources to even provide for that. So the kids working, they have four, other brothers and sisters who are all working and the whole family's working at age 16 15 14 years old instead of go out and play some sports get connected learn some tools and even if you don't go play professionally or college it's not what it's about it's about learning those tools and skills and the people skills that will help you be successful in life so that's something that we're really passionate about and we're going to use this project to help that it's almost like a crowdfunding aspect with some sweet art that you get um and, and almost looking back at some of the cool backyard baseball resemblances right that it, it kind of resembles ah. so, Um, That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, it looks sweet, man. My buddy's crushed the art, Ray Mac. He's dominated it. He's been working tirelessly. uh, And we've had some challenges. Shout shout out. Shout out. (laughs) Let's go. Shout out, Ray But We've had some challenges, right? Especially with our launch, trying to get things dialed in on the back end. uh, And I think that makes the project even more sweeter, man. So we're excited about it.
1: Yeah, on the blockchain. That's where people be living these days, right?
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. So true
1: well but it's a great idea and it's a positive offering a thing that can make a Mm. difference and people say how can i make a difference in the world well this is one way to do it and you don't have to you don't have to give a ton of your time if you're not if you're super busy this is no excuse and if you're someone who's shy this is also something you can't use as an excuse right you could Mm. easily contribute you could buy the nfts when they go live is this correct
2: Yep. You can buy the NFTs and then uh, you can be involved with it. You can do it whether you want to be out in the public doing it or you can just go straight up behind the scenes and, and create your own projects. Um, so ours, it's basically about building a community, right? A positive community and getting people together, whether it's virtually or in person. Ideally, incorporating the in real life aspect of it so we can have different chambers and places of we're calling them the managers, right, for different sections of the United States where people can meet Uh, and then obviously using technology like Zoom to maximize our opportunity to impact and reach people. You got big dreams, Austin. You're going large yeah. here. What if everything fails? Will you be able to live with it? <laughs> hey, we'll move on. We'll hot route, halftime time adjustment, and we'll move on and find something different. <laughs> red 7, Red 7,
1: hot route, hot route. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, this is the reason, though, That's a lot of people good. don't follow what they want to do because of that fear alone. What if it doesn't work? What if yep. someone says it sucks? You know? Yep. What do you say to people who say that?
2: Oh, man. If you're going to let somebody else dictate your dreams and you're living in the shallow end, um, I think we live in the deep end right, of life. And sometimes it takes a plunge head first and fall on your face a few times or more. And we faced a lot <laughs> of those, right? I think in uh, just starting at Major League University, I mean, there was a ton of those still happening. So um, I think it's just learning, right? A, a continual learning experience and finding things you're passionate about. And if you're doing what you love, uh, you're going to live a pretty good life. Hey.
1: I don't think i can phase you i'm trying to phase you so far you're passing with flying colors so that's not something that happened overnight though we'll talk more about that shortly i want to take some time here to say thank you thank you, everybody who subbed the youtube channel recently there was a big push at the end of the year i thank you all for that it was really quite shocking yes it was shocking that we were able to make that push i knew you had it in you so thank you all very much I couldn't do it without you. We couldn't do the show without you guys. It's not the same. And that sounds like rhetoric, but it's not. There's just no way that a show is any good or enjoyable if there's no back and forth, you know? There's no connection. And this is what makes the show viable for us. And some people don't like it. Some people say I'm too loud. Some people say I'm obnoxious, annoying. Austin, I can't live with, I can't accept those as my reality all the time and live with myself because then I would feel depressed or feel like I had to change all the time and there is value in self-reflection and growth and learning about yourself but to hear other people comment on you in a negative way or not like you or disrespect you when you put something out into the world you have to make a decision when you put things in the world on the internet anywhere if you go speak in front of people in person You have to come to terms with the fact that not everyone's going to like you. And when I was a teacher, I really learned this the most because as a teacher, you're not going to please every student you have. They're not all going to like you. And I I was kind of along the lines. If I get a 70-30 split, I can live with that.
2: I like that. It's like the uh, the 10-80-10 rule. Uh, Urban Meyer, I don't know if Urban Meyer's a great dude to shout out anymore, but Uh, uh, the the 10-80-10 rule, it's like, hey, 10% are invested, 10% are totally checked out, and the other 80% can go either way. And so, hey, wow. how can you get that middle eighty into that top ten percent? I'm right there with you, man. It hurts. It hurts my ego when somebody's like, hey, we posted a video and we tried to promote it for the project stand lot, and within 20 seconds, the first comment was cringe. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you cringing about, dude? We're helping you sports. Like, how, how is this a cringe moment? But um, once again, they're living in the shallow end, and uh, I think you just got to know who you are, man. You hit it on the head in the very beginning.
1: That takes time. You know, I'm Ooh, I'm, yep. four, I'm 41 now. I've lived a lot of life and certainly wasn't always the case. So it takes time and energy to really get to that point. So I think anybody who's done that would appreciate that. Uh, okay. So I said that. I said, thank you to everybody. Thank you very much. And now I also want to say we've got some business to cover quickly. And that means we cue the business time. It's been a long time since I did this. I think it still works. Uh, there we go. Yeah, I got the business time rolling. And. I want to say the Roto-Fanatic half-hour variety show will be kicking into gear. If you're not following us on the Roto-Fanatic content channel, please do so on your favorite podcast platform. Half-hour shows. We're going to be covering rankings of all all positions for fantasy baseball coming up. So check out the Roto-Fanatic content channel. Go to rotofanatic.com. We're trying to still do good things there. A lot of great people who work there. Although it's small, the people are great. And then the trophy is still being resurrected well i guess it's not resurrected because it never officially existed yet it's still being created because it takes time but i promise that the trophy for the plazo podcast invitational will be ready by opening day whenever the hell that is and richard sands the 2021 winner of the Palazzo podcast invitational will be getting that trophy i've made a lot of promises on this it's been delayed Things don't always go as you hope they do sometimes. You got to be patient and you got to roll with the punches, as they say. So I'm doing that. But that trophy will exist. And Richard Sands is a great dude. He wrote a piece so he could be eligible for TGFBI, which is a great fantasy baseball platform. Do you know what TGFBI is, Austin? I do not. I do not. TGFBI is run by Justin Mason, who's a great dude, also in recovery from substance use disorder. 16 years in April, I believe. Woo! And, yeah, he's great. And Justin has basically created an opportunity where – Analysts and fans can compete in a massive competition. I think last year there was almost 500 entries, and it's all 15-team Roto Leagues, 5 by 5 standard, and then whoever wins the leagues wins the individual leagues, and then there's an overall component. So what we've done with the Palazzo Invitational is try to create a much smaller version of that because it was our first year doing it, and Richard Sands was the winner. But to be eligible for TGFBI, you have to write a piece. You have to have some type of media out there that shows you are an analyst or you're a contributor of some kind so he wrote a piece about how he won our palazzo podcast invitational last year and he posted it recently on a good friend of ours again another shout out baseball pods chris marr thank you so much Uh, he has it available so go to baseball-pods.com and read richard's article also post it here in the live chat and if you're in the live chat folks If you're commenting from the Twitter feed, comments don't work for some reason. And StreamYard hasn't fixed this. I don't know why. But you can comment freely from Twitch and from the YouTube channel. So if you have questions for us, drop them in this live chat here. But more importantly, check out Richard Sands' work. He's a great guy. He supported our show. So at least we can do is support him. He's a really good dude. Okay, I've covered that. And I think that's pretty much it. Oh, yep. The FTN5 tool fantasy guide is available this is ftnfantasy.com you can get it for $19.99 if you sign up at ftnfantasy.com I wrote a piece about head to head Utah give me two and I love it so it's my first piece of a draft guide if you want to support the show you want to support us please find the five tool fantasy draft guide from FTN Fantasy. it's awesome and it's got so much more beyond me like really 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 intelligent deeply thoughtful fantasy analysts who know their stuff and there it is. So I think that's all the business. And yeah, we did it. Yay. woohoo! Okay. <laughs> business is done. Thank you so much for sitting patiently through that. This is the Plaza Podcast. We are live with Austin Byler, Major League University. Big project. That's a project that you want to be associated with. And you've got a fan here. Is this uh, someone you know, Alexis George?
2: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you little cutie. <laughs> <Ooh-hoo>. uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's, my, uh, she's my woman crush Wednesday. Hey. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, Alexis, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking some time out. And yes, uh, Austin is very cute. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all right. So having said all of that, why don't we move into the section that we like to call, yes, it's back for another year, Leading Off.
2: <laughs>
1: all right. Austin quickly wanted to touch on the CBA. We have a lockout going on. It stinks. Nobody's happy about it. Doesn't seem to be any negotiations on the horizon anytime soon. You're a former minor leaguer, man. You've lived the life. You ground yourself into so much dedication. And you used your talent to the maximum of its capabilities. If you were a major leaguer today, how would you feel about the current situation and what do you expect to happen? We know you're not the official prognosticator of anything, but your experience matters and it counts. So I want to know what you think right now.
2: I, I don't think they're going to play personally. I, I don't think they're going to play. Now, that might be a, a massive hot take, but between, wow. between the players, between uh, the, the owners and, and all the stuff that they're going through, it just seems like there's too much on the docket to sort out in such a short time. I hope they play right. I'm very optimistic on it, but it's it's been something where just I think the actions speak louder than the words from what we've seen um, through the MLB over the last couple of months. And uh, there hasn't been any action. So uh, it's going to be kind of played low for the next month or so. But once February rolls around and people are getting anxious for spring training and and the athletes to report and nobody's reporting, I don't think there's any time soon that they're going to come to any agreements because there's just too much on the table that they're going back and forth and bickering about. and, And it all comes down to greed and money. Right. Uh, it seems to be what the case is in most things. So if there is something, I hope so. But from what I've heard uh, from some friends, coaches aren't allowed to talk to the athletes. Athletes aren't allowed to talk to the coaches. If they do, they have to report it to the organization, which is just crazy to me. So if I go and see you and your wife at Sprouts or the, the local grocery store, and I see you <laughs> as the athlete and you're my coach, I have to report that I saw you at that grocery store. It's like, what are we doing here? I mean, we're just bickering over little things. So, um, That right there was my indication of, hey, this could last longer than a lot of people might think. And I'm hoping that I'm wrong, but I'm passionate about it. I've just seen it too much, man. It's brutal. Hey, sometimes the truth hurts. That's okay. Cause we, I would rather live in the truth that hurts
1: than live under the guise of a false world or, you know, live being told lies about things that aren't true. So that's, that's how I operate. And you are a truth teller. I can see it in you. I, I feel it within you. You're going to keep it real. You're going to keep it 100. So I appreciate that type of honesty. You've been in the game. You lived it. I mean, the Diamondbacks, who knows? They wouldn't won a World Series right now if things have gone a different way, right?
2: <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> wrong <laughs> division, wrong team, wrong. Uh, yeah, just some bad decisions there, too. <laughs> oh, well, hey, I beg to differ. I don't know anything. I saw some
1: pictures. I saw some of your stat lines. You really were. You were doing well. You had a lot to offer there. So the Diamondbacks could be on a completely different trajectory right now. We'll never know.
2: Exactly. Sure. Come on. Man. We would have had two World <laughs> Series rings. What are we doing? <laughs> whoop, whoop. Utah. Give me two. Yeah, You said two. So <laughs> hey, I had, you had to, do to do line that. it up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So
1: I love this take because I was pretty negative about it. And I'm not trying to be negative. I said the lockout was coming. I said, enjoy 2021. We should all really cherish it. And I did. I tried to really embrace it. Because I was fearful that there was going to be a serious shutdown here. Like, no joke. And when you say they're not going to play, are you saying that you think they won't play until, like, midsummer or something like that? Or do you really see this, like, going way deep? In
2: your own opinion, of course. This is just your opinion. I think in, I think there's some some optimism as far as midsummer. right? I think midsummer could be an option. But it just seems like there's too much on the table for them to agree on anything. And I don't know. If they're going to try to do something, if they're going to force them to come back, I mean, I think the players are really taking a stand with this one. And I think the owners are taking a stand in their own defense, in their own ways, right from the business standpoint. So um, I hope that they can play midsummer sometime, right? Hopefully around that June mark, they at least get back and get after it. But I mean, it's just a shame because it, it only hurts the business. It only hurts the fans. It hurts the experience. And once again, it comes down to money and greed and, and the power piece. So um, I don't see them playing this year. I could be totally wrong. I hope I'm totally wrong. And I hope I blew it way out of proportion and I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, But just being in that, that situation and hearing from the players of just the the frustrations, I think there's too many guys that are out there that are like, man, I'm enjoying my time at home. I don't need this right now.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's something you got to remember. Always remember this. Always know if the juice is worth the squeeze. (laughs) You think the players really know? the juice they're drinking right here because you live the miners experience and you have touted and supported the fact that minor leaguers need better care, deserve better, just everything, you know, they're treated pretty poorly unless they're one of these super, super bonus babies. Right. So how can they maintain a United front and be patient when the time will keep on ticking and ticking and ticking and the money will start drying up
2: that that's where that's what's going to come down to is the money. (laughs) So and I've had the thought too. I'm like, okay, well, what if they, they waited and then they said, okay, if the players aren't going to come back, we'll bring up the minor leaguers. They're going to have no problem coming up and playing. Uh, Right. Maybe that's an outside the box take there. I don't know. But uh, as a, as a player, man, and being in those clubhouses and just seeing it, um, I think eventually they're going to come to something because the players are going to get antsy. They want to play. Right. They're not about all this business like stuff. They want to play. They want to get out there. Um, but the owners, I think, making it a little more difficult for them to to get out there on the field and do what they love to do. So uh, if they could put the money aside and just kind of check the egos a little bit, is going to have no problem. But from what I've seen and the actions taken so far, it seems like the ego's creeping in the way a little bit Uh I don't know, man. I hope they get in, and if it it is, if it is the minor leaguers saying, "Hey, you come up, boom, we need people in the stands." Cool, good for them. They got a great opportunity, right? So, uh, yeah. But the dollars are going to start talking when you don't have forty thousand fans at the Dodger Stadium come opening day. I think that's gonna gonna speak to them real quick.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's this is the concern. You know, you've lived mm-hmm. this experience, so you know how desperate it gets for minor leaguers. And I wonder. How long they can last. I want them to last. I want everyone to be united. I want them to get better opportunities. I I assume your pro uh, service time adjustments need to be made.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: How How can change actually be enacted, though, for minor leaguers? What is a concrete example of something that could be done to make their lives more manageable that could
2: easily be applied from ownership and from MLB overall? I think the it starts with the salaries. I mean, you know, and nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, but a McDonald's worker makes more money than a minor leaguer does in a couple months than a minor leaguer does all year, and they don't get paid oh. in the offseason. It's it's ridiculous, right? And um, this is somebody who was paid to come play the game. Now there's the other side that says, "Well, you were drafted, and you need to earn your ranks up the the ladder, and you need to grind it out until you make it to the big leagues to make all the money." But it's like, dude, you're one of the the point zero 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 one percent that has the ability to even get into the league in the first place you're talented enough it's just is the opportunity there is your consistency there and is the right door open and so i think that the first place they could start not only some of them have done a great job the royals finally did it and, and there's a few others so um, they've provided some housing for the for the guys which is huge i remember in missoula montana my first year i'm in short season a and we were the only the only affiliate in all of professional baseball i didn't have a host family tell like double a and so we all had we had seven dudes in a two-bedroom apartment and i'm one of three in the living room on air mattresses and that's how we were living for the whole summer like give me a break you're asked to go perform and then hey go on a 15-hour bus ride and then you gotta take a drug test the next morning it's like dude what are we doing here so um i think just the quality of life man at least like forking it up. Now there's organizations that do a great job, right? But there's some that penny pinch it a little bit and uh, that's where it gets in the way a little. So I think starting with the salaries, at least give them something that's livable. I mean, I'm not asking them to 40 K a year, but like, dude, just something that's livable for three or four months. Like that's it. That, 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 that's it. <laughs>
1: Come on. Come on. Yes, please. <laughs> Everyone's
2: been touting this for a couple of years
1: now. We've seen the pictures on Twitter of these cheese sandwich offerings for dinner and stuff. I mean, you were not asking for prime rib. Just yeah. have, a, have a heart and Just show me you a, care. <laughs> yeah, show me you care. Come on. It's a doozy. <laughs> yeah, it is a doozy. When you treat your players like that, that's a bad doozy, though. And I have no respect for people who treat human beings poorly, even if they are professional athletes. So, what? Your point about being the tip top, at the mountaintop, at the peak, at the very, very, very edge of the best of the best. Is somebody who could be in low A who never really pans out at all. That's still somebody who could be the best player from their state. And I think mm. that is the best argument or the best rebuttal for what you said in terms of the antiquated notion of you got to earn your keep you got to pay your dues and you got to give up your first five years before you can ever have even a free agent possibility coming your way if you make it to the big leagues. I am totally against all that. You've already made it that far. So these people deserve to at least be treated with. A minimal amount of respect, and I'm not trying to go on a soapbox here. It's just common sense, and it's 2022. I know the world doesn't make sense, but can we at least have a couple things that make sense? Please,
2: please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can we just get along, man? That's it. That's yes. all we're asking. That's all we're asking.
1: I'm <laughs> oh, real. All right. Fantasy managers who are hearing this now, they're probably saddened by your remarks, but... <laughs> They are grateful for them because the truth is what we want, and that's what we do on the Plausible Podcast here, live with Austin Byler. Follow my Twitter at Austin Beiler fourteen Major League University. It's
2: awesome. Oh, you also got the podcast too, right? Yes, sir. Champion School. Let's go. We gotta yeah. get you on, man. You gotta. You're bringing the noise, and we gotta get you on ours.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not an athlete anymore. I never was. I, I did play high school tennis. I was pretty good at high school tennis. Hey, that's so we'll say legit
2: that. right there. I, I like tennis. I'm a big fan of tennis. <laughs> yeah, I love the. Uh,
1: I would, I tried the one-handed backhand, but I ended up as a two-hander. But tennis is a fun game. Tennis is a great workout. You can play it the day you die. And some of the best athletes in school played tennis, in my school anyways. But, you know, I'm totally off the point here. What I wanted to mention as well is that I know what it's like to live with a host family. You mentioned your host family in Missoula, Montana? I had a job in 2001. I went door-to-door selling... Not encyclopedias, they were uh, educational books for this company called Southwestern, which is just a total scam, one of these classic pyramid scheme type things where you pay in, and then you got to try to make money all summer by going door to door, and they don't even tell you where you go. They say, come down to Nashville, we'll train you for a week, a crash course of sales training, and then we're sending you to an unknown designation, a place out there for the summer. And I said, well, I was 20 years old, I was like, hey, let's do it. I could do this. And they ended up selling us, sent us down to Dallas Fort Worth. That's where I ended up. And I lived with this host family. (laughs) and It was so fascinating. I never lived with a host family before. They had these giant greyhounds and uh, we slept on a floor in a room, three dudes, again, like sleeping bags. There was a bed for one guy. We had to rotate each night to use it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: So
1: I know that host lifestyle. It was a fascinating six weeks. I'll tell you that much.
2: Yeah, but it can be really good or it can be a horror story. And I think that's the that's the thing. We had one in, in, when I was out in the Cape Cod League. I had an awesome host family. they were amazing. I have a whole downstairs basement. Like it was legit. Ten out of ten. And one of the team, one of my teammates had an older woman and she was probably in her 70s or 80s. And he came back after curfew. Curfew was 12. He got back about twelve fifteen, And she's sitting in the darkness in a seat like this, crossed over with her legs, Hands across the chest and just says, where were you? And she's like, what do you mean? Where?" I'm sorry. I'm a little late. And she grounded him, <laughs> grounded him. <laughs> yeah. And he was on lawn duty for the next month. It was hilarious.
1: <laughs> oh my God. That is so funny. Wow. <laughs> hey, shout out to that lady. Uh, I don't know where you are, or what you're doing, but that's boss. That's a boss yeah, move right she, there.
2: She laid the foot down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. All right. I'll cover that. Let's get into the final main segment here. I call it Enrico's Inquisition, but it's not really one. People listen to the show regularly. You're going to hear it and be like, well, this doesn't sound like Enrico's Inquisition. Well, the truth is it's not a typical one. It's a unique one, but I'm going to do it anyway. So let's do it. Are you ready, Austin? Let's go. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Scott Boris or Rob Manfred? I could do without hearing Scott Boris all the time on Twitter. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a contest. Oh, Nelly. Get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Enrico's Inquisition. Ho-ho-ho. Hey, hey, look at that production. Wow. All right, Austin, you are in Enrico's Inquisition. Uh, I mean, no harm. Uh, By the way, oceans or lakes?
2: Oh, oceans, oceans. Watching the ocean.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
2: Standing on the sidelines. On the beach, (laughs) in the sand,
1: not in the ocean. (laughs) That ocean is an awesome force. It terrifies me. It truly does. I have never been out in the open water. I live in the Great Lakes state. I grew up here in Michigan. And that is still intense to me. So the ocean is like 20,000 times bigger than these lakes. And those yeah. lakes are huge. So I, I am in awe and I stand in total obedience to the ocean 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, you know, we ask silly questions like that. But this one's unique because we have you on the show and you focus so honestly and openly about mental health experiences and challenges and your substance use disorder, which, you know, frankly, I'm drawn to that. I'm always drawn to people that have had that experience. Because once you have it, I think it's just human nature. Once you've gone through something like that, it's so intense, and you've been able to survive it, first off, because yeah. a lot of people, RIP, they didn't survive. And they're gone now. I actually had somebody, this is a true story. It's just fascinating that you happen to be my guest today because a guy last night hit me up on Twitter. He DM'd me and he said, hey, I, I swear I know you from somewhere. And I took me forever to figure it out. And he finally realized that We were in a rehab together in 2016, in January, like literally six years ago at this moment. It was the beginning of January. I was in that rehab center. It was in Brighton, Michigan. It was originally famous because it was called Brighton Hospital, and Eminem went there for his own recovery many years ago. Um, But it was him, and I was like, oh, my God, I remember you. That's crazy. And he told me, I'm so grateful to be in recovery now, but I have three friends that were – two of them were in that rehab and a roommate that had died And I hadn't talked to him since then. So it just goes to show you that you never really can be sure that you have conquered or beat or have been able to survive and live through substance use disorder because it takes people's lives every day.
2: Yeah, that's that's incredible, man. What a crazy story, though. Found you on Twitter and then boom, it's like I know you somewhere and this is where we met. (laughs) Yeah, and I I absolutely remember it. It was wild that
1: there wasn't much to do in rehab besides work on yourself, which. Let's be honest, uh, at least in my rehab experiences, I went to rehab three times, and that was the one where I really thought I had to figure it figured out. And I dedicated a lot of my time to working on myself because that's what they have. They have these exercises and daily classes, and you're supposed to open up and have therapy and invest in yourself and try to get some positivity going on with yourself. Because when you come into rehab, usually you are a wreck. You are... Probably as low as you could be about yourself. I can't think of somebody who would be more down on themselves than someone who is
2: in addiction and is about to go to rehab. Do you think that's fair to say? Oh, completely fair to say. I mean, there's a reason you're masking the the internal pains and problems with addiction, right? With different substances. So um, no, 100% fair to say. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that was just wild. And I'm glad he's doing well now. But there's other people who haven't. And I say that because I want to remember perspective is so important when we talk about ourselves we talk about the people we care about having relationships with ourselves and with the ones we love our family members friends whoever it is that you call the loved ones in your life the perspective of the worst moments the most painful moments some people run away from them but i choose to face them head on and embrace them and I, this, this may sound crazy to you or it might make a lot of sense to you. I think it might make sense to you in particular because you experience this. But I'm actually grateful for what I went through. My substance use addiction nightmare, I'm actually grateful for it now because I've been able to find stability and start to be the person that I always hoped I could be and wanted to be. What do you
2: think of that? Oh, I'm 100% agree with you. It's, it's crazy. Cause I'll even think about it too, where uh, I'll, I'll have like flashbacks to, Hey, how did I feel then? Like on my worst days here, right. I think about my worst days here where I'm, I think I'm clear, right. And feel good. And I go back to those days. Okay. Uh, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm twitching. Right. But I'm like really anxious. I'm really nervous. I'm like masking pains. I'm I'm freaking out if the dealer doesn't show up in an, in an hour <laughs> let alone yeah, five yeah. minutes. Right. I'm like going crazy in, inside. And so, um, even on those darkest days, man, is so grateful for that experience because it taught us everything about what we need to know about ourselves and where we're going and where we're headed in a healthier path and better alternatives that can help us live a healthier, more successful, more encouraging and happy life. And so um, if it wasn't for those, we wouldn't be here today being able to share that experience. And so some people are like, don't you regret that? Like you could have been in the big, you could have done this, you could have, that. it's like, no, I don't, I don't regret it at all. I actually welcome it. I'm actually very excited about it because I get to share that with you and hopefully prevent, somebody else from going through that same path or if somebody is reaching out and getting the help that they need to get through some of those experiences that they're going through. So hundred percent grateful for it, man. Made it made me for sure who I am today. And I know it's made you who you are today as well.
1: Yeah. And I don't use it as a limelight thing or, or something to build a platform off of as an ego thing. That's not what it is. And you know, I don't have to explain myself and justify that. But just for the record, so people who don't know me think, oh, look at this guy. He's trying to use substance use disorder to build an audience and to gain recognition online. That's the most ridiculous thing that would ever, ever come across my mind because it's just not something I joke about it. I mean, I'll joke about it with people because the people who've been through addiction, you know this. You do. You have a weird sense of humor about it because you understand it and they understand it, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like, it's not funny to the outside world necessarily. And like you just said, Austin, you you could have had, you could have been a Major League Baseball player possibly. That was a real thing in front of you. Like, you were legit. You weren't just a piece of trash floating in the wind. And there are people who could come to you and say, Austin, I don't know how you can live with yourself. I mean, to have my dreams or a, a, such a unique opportunity come this close to me and then have it taken away or snuffed out because of my own actions too it mm. would be almost suicidal i don't know if i could live myself suicidal ideation would be a legitimate thing for some people and and they would tell you that wouldn't they i mean how do you how do you explain it to somebody who couldn't understand getting so close being your own worst enemy if you want to call it that i'm not saying you are but they get it twisted that way how do you how do you understand all of that and then redistribute it to other people who don't get it
2: Yeah, I think it's just being honest with them and being real with them, right? It goes back to the vulnerability piece of like admitting the things that you've done, owning up to them, right? And then moving on from them and knowing that those experiences shaped who you are today and shaped your character. And I think a lot of the people, it's hard to fathom because they haven't been through it. So they're wondering, well, how could you do that? Like, why would you do that? Or the shame. I remember when the first article came out and the GM was like, hey, man, look, we're going to be here for you, but on Friday, just be prepared to answer some questions. And it was like, until I started to talk about it and get it off my chest, I never got through it. It just continued to be suppressed within myself and it kept leading on. And so, uh, yep. once I started to open up about it and share it and, and be able to speak about it, it was like this whole new world, but it comes from not being afraid of being judged. And I think that's a key thing there is like knowing who you are, knowing what you're working for, knowing the mission that you're on, and knowing who you're trying to impact through your story and the experiences that you've been through. So, for the people who are like, man, well, how could you do that? Like, what? do you think it's just they can't fathom that experience happening because it hasn't happened to them yet um, but it could happen to them in something else right another avenue or another addiction or something else that they might not even realize is something that's holding them back from being their, be- them be- their best self so uh, that's a big that's a big deal too there but it's coming from being vulnerable being honest and just admitting to some of the things and just sharing right just sharing that conversation getting that conversation spark
1: I couldn't have said it better myself Austin Beiler is joining us live here Major League University, that's his big thing. It's going to help people. Major League University is going to
2: change people's lives through what? Mindset and leadership development, mental skills, mental performance, inspiration. I think all of the above kind of gets networked into it. Do you focus specifically on athletes? Specifically, yeah, for the most part, uh, I'll have conversations with people who are, are non-athletes or just regular everyday people, too. Um, and we'll do some stuff with like a couple of rehab facilities, which has been pretty cool going in speak and speaking, sharing the story. Uh, but for the most part, predominantly athletes.
1: The need is great for mental health, leadership, uh, just more openness and discussions related to everything that's
2: going on with humanity within the realm of athletics overall, isn't there? Oh, huge need right now i mean the the amount of kids that reach out from youth to professional it's wild that's what I'm talking like,
1: to, yeah, like like youngsters too, forget the professionals like we're talking little league and up too, thank you for saying
2: that. yeah there's i mean I had a twelve year old who I used to coach when I was living in California um a few years ago, right so he was even younger by ten or eleven at the time and and we do some some training calls and we'll talk and catch up and this kid's 12 and some people are like 12, dude, you should be having the best time of your life. Like, what are you thinking (laughs) about? Why are you comparing yourself? But his, his message was, I don't, I said, how are you doing today? And he said, I'm not doing very good coach. Like, what do you mean? You're not, you're always happy and excited and like eager and really like just a great kid. And he said, well, I just keep seeing people on social media that are way better than me. And I don't know if I'll ever be that good. So he's watching TikTok and Instagram specifically watching the highlight videos of the 13U kid who's hitting 500 foot tanks and the next junior USA kid. Right. I'm like, dude, your journey is your journey. That's not your journey. Like that kid's doing his thing at 13. Where is he going to be at 18? Like, hopefully, he maintains the success. But for you, did you? you can, the more you compare yourself, the less you're going to get. So, um that was huge. And this is a twelve-year-old saying this, and I'm like mind blown. Like, how can a twelve-year-old? I'm out in the sandlot having fun shooting like doing whatever we're doing out there and and this kid's comparing himself because of the easy access to technology and our minds right they're not very developed at that age so uh it's just more of a need man for coaches for parents for teachers right they play a massive influence to just speak positivity and these kids love on them and just ask them how they're doing right and be there for them i think that's so big
1: well said that is not surprising to me kids Mm -hmm. that age 12 10 now uh phones are there seemed to be a brief battle where phones were questionable for children, but its I think it's over mm. now. It seems like it's just Free for part of
2: our everyday <laughs> life for everybody, right? Yeah, hey, stick the iPad in the face at two. It's all good. <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't blame some parents. We all need a break. I, I don't agree, have any I kids. Agree. You know, I mean, I, I, I've worked with so many children. They can try your patience. I think anybody who knows anything about children knows that. But the yep. fact that there are so many comparative angles now, not just for the professionals here. Again, I'm so glad that we're – clarifying this this is for Mm. all kids high schoolers junior high college age to trying to be the best athlete they can be but also try to be the best person they can be without getting caught up in a lot of the picadillos that can really break us Mm. down and comparing yourself amongst everything you see online around the world whether it's dominican republic or in asia i mean you could be seeing baseball players around the world that you're like oh i'm never going to be as good as that person is and that's where you really start to go down a path where you can struggle to remember
2: why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Right? Yep. That's so important. You hit, you hit it on the head there. Like the, why, right? What's what's the passion behind it? Why are you even showing up to the field or why are you working your butt off? Why are you going to extra, hitting or whatever else it might be doing for the athletes um, and just everyday people, man. I think we all get into that thing where we're, we're on social media. We see something, it, it triggers something like, ah, I'm jealous or I'm comparing or will I ever get there or, is, is what I'm doing enough like this. Am I getting the same interaction? And it's yep. like, dude, none of that stuff really matters in the, in the long run. Like take care of the people in your, in your corner, the people that are with you and stay in your lane a little bit and, and trust yourself. Yeah. In that <sighs>
1: Yeah, We're talking with Austin Byler. He's live here, Austin Byler, 14 on Twitter. Please follow him. This is a great human being who's doing positive things. He's got so much to offer, and I'm so glad that we've been able to connect. And I want to give a big shout-out, by the way. I haven't done this yet, and I'm already doing it way too late to the show. Uh, shout-out to Jared for getting me on the path of knowing what you're all about in the first place. I had no idea who you were or what was going on with Major League University. And Jared has been working his butt off, spreading the word, writing about mental health, dedicating his writing to mental health in sports and making it basically like a career for himself. So, Jared, this would never happen. This engagement, this meeting, this show would not be possible without you. And I want you to know that you're a really, really special human being. Shout out Jared, legend. <laughs> legend. That's right. He's a great dude. And I'm Jared, we're going to talk on this show, you and I, one on one soon. You know that's going to happen. But we're with Austin Byler here live, and we're talking about eh, mental health. We're talking about what it is and addiction and all these things. Like you could, people put all these labels like addiction, mental health, anxiety, depression. There are disorders that have labels, and that's how we define them. So we know what they are. I get that. I'm not arguing that point. I'm not concerned about that. What I am concerned about is this is what life is, is these experiences that we're all sharing, but we're afraid to talk about. And your honesty, vulnerability, and openness in a public forum is what separates you right now from other human beings, in my opinion, because that is one of the most terrifying things anybody, for a lot of people, could ever do. People think today that like everybody wants to get online and share their thoughts, but that's... A lot of that is youngsters who don't know any better. They haven't been conditioned yet to be fearful or they haven't learned lessons or they haven't had experiences that made them more afraid to open up, right? But by the time we get to be adults, there's so many adults, millions of them across the world who are afraid to express themselves in a vulnerable way because they fear judgment, uh, repercussions, uh, or they're just terrified of what a one other person
2: might think, right? mm yeah, that one person holds you back from doing the impact of a million people, right? It's like, you, it you, you hold, yeah, like hold you back, right? And, and it prevents you from ever starting in the first place. But it's knowing that your story is a story for a reason. And when you get it out there, it doesn't only just help you, it helps other people. And so that's like, you see it all the time and people will, will do it. And I did myself too. I'll have a video. Perfect. I think it looks good. I'm like, eh. I shouldn't post this or this isn't the right message this is what i'm not <laughs> feeling right and it's like dude just throw it out there like who cares my buddy ray mac again shout out right he's like hey just post whatever throw it out, there. out. get it out there <laughs> legendary um throw it out there and just get it out into the world man because who knows maybe that one person that saw it is a new person into your your niche and whatever you're doing and maybe it helped that one person you didn't even think about when you were making that video or that content i think
1: about all the times growing up when i was younger even in my teenage years high school college where I was, I thought I was open, but I was so closed off. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was easier for me to just be, I'm a man and I'm (laughs) going to not share my feelings. I'll make you laugh and I'll look like I'm being open, but really I'm not telling you anything about me at all. And then when people come up to me and ask me questions about real life that they really want to know about, which is that intimacy, that vulnerability, which is where you really develop meaningful relationships. And I'm not just talking sexual. I'm not talking about love. I'm talking about connecting with people regardless. Mm -hmm. When that happens, then I found myself saying, "Whoa, oh, looks like I'm not doing that." And you know, my addiction developed basically around 31 years old. You know, it happened in my 30s. I had, I had lived a lot of life already, and I hadn't really developed what I thought was an addiction, but it really was because food addiction with sugar and all this stuff was a huge problem for me going back to being 18 years old. I just didn't know it yet. So they the plates were already set at the table for me to have addictive tendencies and scenarios were put in play even after i watched my very own brother go through heroin addiction visit him in the rehab i visited him in i would be a patient there nine years later it didn't tell me anything it didn't inform me you cannot outsmart addiction right it's such a misnomer to think like oh i'm a really smart thoughtful intelligent person and even if i don't share my feelings i'm well aware of what the risks and the concerns and the possibilities are so i'm good it's so
2: wrong right yep yep and that's right when it hits you too that's when it gets you when you're not looking (laughs) you think you're above it right you think you're above it. you think you're you're too good for it and the next thing you know you're in it and you're like whoa how did i even get here in the first place like i remember going to to grade school and hearing the people come in and hey drugs are bad the dare program and all those other things like yeah i'll never do that like yeah when it's not going to be an issue and then one thing leads to another stress gets added in addiction starts to happen you start to consulting other things. And next thing you know, you're in the thick of it yourself. So uh, no, that's hundred percent spot on too, there, man. And I think just knowing that, Hey, nobody's immune to it, but being practical and, and understanding that, Hey, if I can take care of myself in the right way um, and just learn more about myself, you've hit it on the head, get to know me, right. Get to know you. And if you can get to know you a little bit, you can avoid some of those pitfalls that some of us might fall into.
1: Oh man. Jared Perkins could not have said it better himself. I'm telling you, <laughs> that is how I feel as well. It, we're talking live here with Austin Byler, Austin Byler 14 on Twitter. I'm MJ Govier on Twitter. If you want to follow me, DM me anytime. I'm always open to talk about all this stuff. The real, I prefer the real, but if you want to talk about fluff, we could talk fluff too. But what if you hadn't been injured? Do you think addiction would have manifest, manifested itself in another way down the road? Have you thought about that?
2: Yeah, I think it would have. I think it would have for sure. It would have just been a little later, <laughs> but it was it was coming, <laughs> right? It was coming, the pressure and the stress, and then finding a way to uh, kind of cope with that a little bit so I think for sure it would have happened eventually but I wouldn't have had it any other way man it was it was at the right time and um, thankfully didn't die right or anything crazy like that but get to use that experience unfortunately had a lot of friends who have played at a high level and multiple sports pass away from addiction and um, fentanyl now with a lot of those so um, definitely sad but it's 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 just using that story man not being afraid to go be bold and share it and the more that we can share it the more we can help people prevent going down that path a little bit
1: yeah it sounds trite but we are very very lucky we came a, we came into this addiction realm at a time when the most powerful stuff is most easily available it could kill you like that especially if you're mm-hmm. jonesing and you're desperate and you call somebody up that you don't know that well or somebody refers you oh i'm out but i know a guy who knows a guy next thing you know you try something from somebody you've never met in your life it's the wrong thing and boom you're gone
2: Yep, yeah, it's crazy how fast i mean right right in your sleep boom yeah you're just it's over It's it's crazy how fast it happens, man. Very lucky. Very, very lucky. Do you think about at that time you talked about when that article was going to come out? I mean, can
1: you really remember how terrified you were? Were you talking to other people or was it all bottled up inside? I mean, I know you were talking to the higher ups and stuff about this article coming out, but do you remember that situation?
2: Oh, like the, like it was yesterday. (laughs) I was, I was super (laughs) paranoid at my anxiety. I didn't know what anxiety really was until that happened. And, uh, how old are you roughly back then? I was 22, maybe 22, 23. Um, and then when that hit me, dude, it was like, it was next level so i remember with my phone so the the person who called to inform me about the drug test was some lady she sounded like the monotone lady that just answers every robotic phone call and she was <laughs> real unfortunately and she's like hey this is so and so from the mlb drug prevention program and we, we're here to share that she failed the drug test and all the stuff and Anytime my phone would vibrate or ring, I would instantly get paranoid. Like my straight jacket, like my body like shook and I was like, right, like, like locked up. And so I'll never forget the phone call. It took me like, two, three years to get over the phone call piece of just having my phone on and, and being able to hear it or hear the vibrate and not freak out at a random call. Uh, but it happened from being able to start sharing it. So I suppressed everything, which led to more addiction, right? So now I'm suppressing and now using other things to get around the rules and the, and the, all the guidelines with the MLB to just feel better and it just continued downhill to make you feel worse right about yourself. So, um, I never, I'll never forget waking up at nine 30, 10, sometimes 11, sometimes 12 and just feeling so worthless and just so empty. And then, uh, I got to go hit, I got to go do this. And it's like, man, you're playing at a high level. (laughs) If you're, you're working for a a spot on MLB team and you're dealing with this, what, this is how you're going to get through your day. Um, so very grateful for it though, to be able to share that. Did you uh did you go as high as AAA? I forgot. I'm sorry. No, high A, high A,
1: high, A. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So you're going through this in your own mind. Oh, I, I'm 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 addicted. You don't. You still not. You know what's going on, but you really don't understand it yet, right? It's fair to say. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and then there's nobody to talk to. You don't feel first off, you probably don't want to talk to anybody because you're terrified of what the judgment of that would be because it has a stigma. And that's the thing we haven't Mm -hmm. talked about yet. Stigma. And this is one of the big issues. It's not just a baseball thing or a professional sports thing. It's a it's a worldwide, particularly in our society, the United States of America. It's a massive problem. The stigma of being so
2: afraid that you can't say
1: anything, even though you're going through something that millions of other people have gone
2: through. Right. Yep. Yep. It's like, you, you feel so nervous or scared to go share it with anybody because you're afraid of the judgment, right? It goes back to the judgment and the comparison of what other people might think or say. So, um, that's a big one, man. The stigma piece. Cause you're like, if I, if I do say something, I remember I had a a message typed out to one of my mentors on Facebook. It was about two pages long. It was massive, massive message thread. And I never hit single space. (laughs) Yeah. Single space. There was no, no double the return. This was all (laughs) single space, man. I couldn't, I couldn't (laughs) cheat it on my essay. Microsoft word. And so I, I was looking at it and, and I never hit send and send it to him. And this was back in college when I was originally dealing with this, but who knows what could have happened if I would have just sent the message and asked, but I was so afraid and he's the nicest, most loving, most kind. He would have like called and flown out immediately and been there for me. But even with the person that I trusted the most of the time, I still couldn't share any of these feelings with them. So uh, it just feel almost hopeless and, and like, you can't go talk to anybody. And then that just leads to more. It's like, okay, well I'm just going to keep using and using so that I don't have to talk to anybody. I can just be okay. Sitting here by myself doing nothing. Um, it's a crazy vicious cycle, man. That is hard for a lot of people to get out of because they don't have anything to pull them out of it or any passion or any why or like determination to get out of it uh, in the first place.
1: So what could be done? What could be put in place to make, a situation like yours or anybody else's who goes through it in your situation not happen? Not not what happened to you, but how can we have a plan or a system or a structure in place for baseball, for athletes, professional athletes, college level athletes, any type of athlete where they can be identified as having a possible issues. And they also can feel more comfortable to share. Is that, if we're talking like decades of culture building here, that's going to happen within a massive, massive scale on a countrywide level
2: here, or is it possible to do it in these micro worlds? I think it's possible, especially as like, as a team, right? In the micro aspect. Uh, And it starts with the coaches. I think the coaches and the trainers and and the athletic staff, they have a great feel uh, as far as speaking with the players and so asking questions just seeing how people are feeling each specific day getting to know the person I mean that's the biggest thing like getting to know the people so then you can identify hey Johnny's coming in and he looks a lot different today I don't know what, what's going on he's kind of doing something with his head it just doesn't look the same right there's a different vibe about that person so getting to know your players is big not being afraid to ask the questions in, in the first place um, now they're doing a much better job in professional sports of hiring mental skills coaches and different therapists that can be uh, of aid to the different programs. Programs and to help, uh, there still needs to be more. Um, but it also comes from the the recipient too of the the person using because they don't always want to have the help. They don't always want to go seek the help. And when somebody tells them they have a problem, they're like, I don't have a problem. Right. And they rebuttal right away. It's like, you know, your, your family <laughs> drinks and you go over there. It's like, stop drinking. Well, I don't drink enough or I don't drink a lot, but you're drinking every day. So it's like, well, are you, are you drinking a lot or are you are not drinking a lot? So um, addicts don't like to be called out either. So uh, I think as a, as a proactive approach, right. It's just surrounding yourself with good people, uh, making sure you have a good support system. If you do have something you're struggling with, talk about it, be free about it. It's okay to share. Um, and, and hopefully the people in your corner if they are the right people will understand that you can share those things with them and be able to just talk through it and process through it and when you have a good support system i think it helps you avoid some of those pitfalls along the way too
1: i'm only laughing because i'm thinking of christmas 2015 where i was just pounding opioids every day i i was taking 25 at a time like norcos it was out of control and i was just peachy keen this is something people don't realize too not to get too into the weeds on this stuff, but you know, opioids—they're not—they're known as a sedative. They're supposed to depress you. But my experience was, I took them and I felt alive and like super euphoric and happy. And I could like talk to anybody and I could do anything. I wasn't like passing out at the wheel. There was a tremendous amount of uh, energy. Right? Yep.
2: Same here. Exactly. I'm like ripping one in the nose, and you're going through it, and you feel great. You're like, I'm, I'm a yeah. cloud night. Like I can do anything. <laughs> it's like I can talk yes. to anybody.
1: People oh, probably man. wonder like, oh God, how did he play baseball on those? Like, oh, it's pretty easy, actually. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's actually more fun. Try it out. Not getting that. No, I'm yeah.
1: <laughs> I believe it. No, hey, I a one thousand. Everything I did was more fun. Yeah. At yeah. the time. Whoop, woohoo. Okay, cool. I'm cool again. Everybody loves me and I love myself. Everyone yeah. already liked me. I just didn't like me.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly spot
1: on you know what i mean <laughs> and that's what happened at christmas there i was just so deep in it that i was officially disconnected i always prided myself on my awareness to detail and knowing what time it is and knowing what everybody's doing in a room at all times and knowing people's names and memory recall I prided myself on that greatly but by the time christmas 2015 rolled around there i was disconnected and i didn't know it because i got the talk like mike we know you're high and this is a major problem you need help and what you just described about people who don't want help that was me. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I'll be fine. You know, I know what I'm doing. I still have a job. I still have a place to live. I'm doing everything I need to do, right? So come on, please. It was such a
2: cliche, such a typical response. Yeah, right in the same shoes. And <laughs> the exact same. Shoes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Then. So, yes, personal accountability and desire to want to seek help. That's one of the biggest caveats for addiction. So I'll place addiction over here in this jar for the moment. But we're talking about anxiety and depression and some other disorders where people do want help, but they just don't know quite how to get it. I think there's a way that there could be structures in place. You mentioned the coaches, obviously. They have to be in touch with their players. And there's going to be people, hopefully, that become more involved in clubhouses around the country Mm -hmm. who are social workers, therapists, that are there specifically to help players who might need it, or if they need someone to talk to. I think it's going to take that type of presence for these other areas, which are massive, massive areas of concern for people who struggle every day with the pain of feeling no self-worth, uh, being terrified by a lot of social situations there might be amazing baseball hitters pitchers that we've never ever seen because they were just terrified of social situations so much so that they're crippled by it and we'll never know who they are they're out there now they've already missed their prime we've already missed out on seeing somebody incredible possibly because of
2: things like that right oh Probably hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah, thousands, I'd bet even more than thousands. So um, that's a big that's a big deal too. There, just the everyday person who struggles with the anxiety or the depression or the worries. Right, a lot of the worries that pop up in life, and there's so many different worries that we can get fixated on, or we can just find what we're passionate about. And I think it just comes from a lack of passion to do something and the purpose in your life too. And once you find the purpose, I think it helps mm. you dig yourself out of a lot of those ruts. So uh, that's that's a huge case right there. And I think for anybody, it's just finding what works for you. I don't think there's any like straight up formula, like do these four things and you're going to feel amazing about yourself. Like, <laughs> I think you got to go through in trial and error with some of your own. For me, it's nature. Like nature just kind of brings me back in good reset button. Meditation's huge for, for me as well. CBD has been amazing. Um, those things have huh. really helped with all of those. Um, but other people is journaling. Maybe it's uh, reading, maybe it's going on, Runs or walks, or some people turn into triathlon athletes, and all of a sudden they're this insane athletes, and that's like their new addiction, basically. Uh, so <laughs> that's fine. That's yeah, not exactly. a negative connotation. So that's a
1: good addiction to me. Exactly. Addiction has a negative, a negative outcome. So if you do something religiously yep. that you
2: love and it doesn't hurt anybody, that's fine. Yep, exactly, man. Find what you're passionate about and go do it. Right. That's as simple as it gets. And it's hard. It's hard. Cause it's that fear of what if I fail? What if I fall on my face? What if nobody likes me? What if I don't even start in the first place? Um, so those things definitely <laughs> cripple us.
1: Oh yeah. That sounds like some uh, familiar territory there. Austin yep. Byler, human <laughs> yep. being with vulnerable feelings. Who knew? Wow. But you talk about passion then. Do you have a passion to get more involved in, Baseball to possibly be somebody, not the guy, but just one agent of change who creates a better way forward for the next generation of athletes when it comes to mental health uh, promotion
2: and encouragement. Absolutely. That's exactly why we started major league university was to do that in the first place and to help the ones that were struggling. I know in the clubhouse, there was a lot of guys who were, I mean, they're massive, they're strong, Jack, they got everything in the world, but inside they're missing a lot. And so um, the outside persona sometimes fools us a little bit and and we forget that there's an internal human being in there, right? There's dealing with the emotions and the, the things that life brings at us and all the different stuff that kind of pops up out of nowhere so uh, we're definitely in the in the business of aging to change helping people right as much as we can if we can be some of a one of the pioneers in the space i don't care i don't we don't need a title or anything just going out and helping people get the help they need man and uh, knowing that there's better outlets out there than doing some of the things that uh, i've done personally right (laughs) and i think for both (laughs) of us right they're going through our experiences to help them um, get through those things
1: yeah, see there it is, Austin Bolter. My man, I'm so glad that you gave us your time today on the show. This is, I got, I mean, I could talk for hours about this, but I want to keep it real. I know everyone's attention span is short these days, and I, I just wonder if there's more we could do now, because when you talk about your experience, I think about your other teammates. There's supposed to be, I know we're all competing when you're on a team in minor league baseball. It's, it's kind of strange, right? Cause you're supposed to be on a team that it has a standings and there is like a, a small local title to win there, which is true, but everybody's there to try to make it to the show. So there is a cop. There's gotta be a general competition amongst all the minor leaguers on the same
2: team, right? Oh yeah. There's definitely the, the competition, that's a hard line to walk because you're working to get to that next level. And the person you're working against also your best friend, who it's one of you two that's going up to the next level and getting that promotion. Right. Um, yeah. That's a bit, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And so I think the healthy competition piece is huge, but then also knowing, uh, and that's hard, man, because you could be having better statistics. You could be performing better and still not get moved up because somebody else has a little more money invested or has the right people invested in a lot it. of variables. Um, Oh man, there's so many. Or you're in the wrong organization at the wrong time. Like for me, I'm with four or five first basemen who are either multi-million dollar signs or all stars, right? Triple <laughs> A all-star, double oh. A all-star, Goldie, right? That's a pretty good uh lineup of first baseman. And so uh, but then at the Angels at the time have nobody in the system. So if you're in there, it's like sh- boom, skyrocket. So I can do I can play to... better than
1: Darren Ernstad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No offense, Mr. Uh, Ernstadt. Er- 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 yeah, legendary. That's awesome. So you have that then so that it sounds pretty difficult to foster a a community or an environment of open mental health discussion amongst people who are competing, although they're being fair and respectful to each other's teammates, they are competing for the ultimate prize.
2: Yeah. Challenging for sure. Challenging for sure. But you build some really good relationships in that locker room. And I think when you get to that level, you start to understand that there's the business aspect to it, too. And the more that you can just support each other and be proud of each other. Um, I I remember times where I was hoping people would fail. Right. It's happened since high school where I'm like, man, and I don't even want to think that way. But naturally it started to happen. Like, I really hope that person fails right now. And when they do, I'm like, yes, inside. And yep. in reality, it's like, I, don't, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, why am I? I don't even want to feel this way. But naturally, as a human being, I, I resort to feeling that way. How do I get out of this? And so it comes from supporting each other and encouraging each other and uh, just being real and honest with each other.
1: So I know you're definitely optimistic about the future in life and stuff, and I appreciate that, too. I try to be that way as well, but I'm always a realist, too. So you think that despite all of this, there is a way that this could happen within the realm of minor league baseball, professional baseball, semi-pro, where people who are pushing themselves to be the best and make it to the mountaintop could still have an environment where they feel they could share. I know everybody's different, I know personally, but I'm saying overall, in terms of progression and growth, you think we can make this happen?
2: Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, there, There's a, a massive opportunity for that. It's just if if the people in charge are willing to make it happen. That's that's the biggest piece. Oh, boy. So that's and so maybe then there isn't. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, There is, in my opinion, I think it can definitely happen, man. And and some clubhouses like the Giants, for instance, their minor league, they do an amazing job um, with just fostering that environment, that culture of supporting each other. And you're seeing the success this year with what they did with really nobody on paper at the beginning of the year. So incredible. uh, it's it's cool to watch that man now big money markets might be a little different right but I think for a lot of the um communities it can it's definitely possible there's no doubt about that
1: okay well I believe in you so I'm gonna believe that i I, I, I think it's a tremendous challenge I really do but anything worth
2: doing is always gonna be hard no matter what it is right yep no doubt about it. Um, there's an opportunity. Is it easy? No. Is it going to take some time? Yep. Uh, but it is possible, man. It's just getting the agent of change right in those clubhouses and get more people talking about it and um, preaching that. I think you're absolutely right. I find myself.
1: And I find you, you find me and we find like-minded people like us who we all like baseball. We love baseball. We're passionate about it. We're passionate about sports. We're passionate about people. We're passionate about helping. We're passionate about making a difference, being of service. We're passionate about keeping it real and being genuine as well. So then there's more people like us out there. And if we all come together and we find the people within our little areas, our little bubbles of the world, where we're trying to make micro changes, we connect with them and then we grow together. I think, there really is a chance for this type of growth.
2: And I don't think that's a pipe dream at all. I really don't. No, not at all, man. It's it's totally possible. It's just hey, impact your community. That person impacts their community. Everybody's got their little niche. And uh, just that micro change, man, makes the massive change in the world. So just paving the way, it just takes more people to speak about it and to, and to be passionate about it and to share their own experiences. And the more that we can do that, the more people get help, the more opportunities we have to make that change.
1: Wow, there it is. Austin by everybody. this is the man. He is the future of humanity. I got a good feeling about it because he's got a good heart he's also experienced a ton of pain and that mixture, good heart, a lot of pain. That's actually a great recipe for success. believe it or not, I really believe that and I'm so glad that you gave us your time here today on the Palazzo podcast. Uh, boy, how do you want to close out the show here? What is the final message? as we finish today's
2: episode with Austin Byler, new year 2022, no pressure. I think number one, man, your energy is level 10, dude. You are you got me amped to run through a wall today, so I'm fired up about that. <laughs> but um, in all honesty, man, just uh, being an inspiration in whatever field or niche you might be in, um, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a coach, whether you work in, in the health departments, uh, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can make a, a positive difference no matter where you are. Um, and understanding that, your positive difference and your actions, even if it's not through words, if it's just through actions can change somebody's life forever. So I know that people are watching that they're, they're waiting to be influenced one way or the other. And, Us, if we can be that positive influence, that's going to be powerful. And then never stop believing in yourself, too. I know a lot of people get down on themselves or start getting frustrated if things don't go their way right away, uh, but never stop believing in yourself. Once you lose that belief, then you fall victim to a lot of these things that we've talked about today. So, um, finding that belief, man, staying firm in your beliefs, even if it's not working right away, keep chugging along, keep pushing and chopping at the door. Eventually, um, some bricks are going to cave. So, uh, I guess that's the message for the day. <laughs> you got me juice man I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, and have the courage to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: I think that's no the biggest takeaway it. from this discussion because we both have that in common. We're not hmm. afraid and if we were afraid, we work through it to be open and honest about what our shortcomings are, our fears are, the things that are not going the way we want them to go, uh our our fear of, of others' success even. Those are honest responses that happen to us as human beings. We want to be the best usually. And if someone else is better than we know it, we can create a fear zone within our own mind, which could start to create a lot of chaos internally, which will be no good mm. for you. It's going to be no good for anybody. The comparison is the death of joy. That's a simple phrase. And it really is true. And I know sports is really all about comparisons 24-7. I get that. Austin gets it. He lived it. But... I think it's important that we try to appreciate the other skills and traits that others have that they might do better than us and maybe not use terms like, well, the, he or she's better than me. She does that better than I do. She runs faster than I can. That That's not going to really help anybody. You can give someone tremendous credit by saying, you know what, you are one of the fastest runners I've ever seen, young lady. And that's a comment to them. That's a compliment. And that lifts them up. But you don't have to talk in your own mind in terms of, yeah, she's so much faster than me. I'll never be as fast as her. That's not going to do you any good. And I think that's a tiny, simple thing that everybody could do. I could do it. Also could do it. You out there hearing this or watching this, you could do that
2: with a one simple mindset adjustment. That's it. One thing. Just a simple little cue, man. alter just a little bit, man. Just a little bit. That micro change makes a massive difference. That's huge. That is huge. Yes, and I was reminded of
1: that by watching your stuff today on Major League University. It's good stuff. So let's make sure we go to majorleagueuniversity.com, support what Austin is doing there along with his partners, Jared, and everybody else. You guys have a great thing brewing there. I'm very grateful that I've gotten the chance to talk to you, and I think uh, we should do this again soon. There's no reason to do this once and never talk again,
2: right? Let's, hey, let's line it up, man. I'm all in. I need the juice, man. A little jolt of that uh, that extra <laughs> juice right there. Come on. <laughs> I, the I appreciate juice. you, Michael. That's Thanks funny. Always <laughs> know if the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> I need to get these on our podcast. You said podcast, juice, sir. <laughs>
1: uh, it's really easy. Yeah, I can show you how to do it. It's, it's stupid. It might ruin your show, though, because everyone will hate it. Because they don't want to hear sound. <laughs> they want to hear you, though, dude. They want to focus on what you have to say.
2: Yeah, these are good, though, too. I like these.
1: <laughs> Comedies. Laughter is very important. I think we all would yep. agree. And that's why I do this show, because I've had a lot of laughs today with you. But I also talk, we talked about real shit on this show. That's what we do here. We keep it real. We're honest about life. And this was not a very fantasy baseball-centric episode. And that's cool if you don't love this, if you're hearing this, like, dude, where's the rankings? Where's uh you know the top 10 shortstops, top 10 second baseman? No, you didn't get that today. You got something that's probably much more useful to your actual life. So I apologize if that's not what you were looking for, but uh not really, because I don't really regret any of this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I appreciate it, man. This was a blast, man. Love what you're doing. Love, love what you got going on. And uh I appreciate your vulnerability and honesty too, man, and sharing your story and just getting it out there for more people to hear. It's amazing. And doing an amazing job with this too. This looks awesome.
1: Wow, thank you very much. I really appreciate that, Austin. It's all real. It's all true. I've got issues, and I'm still working through things every day. And I know that there's tomorrow, though. There is a tomorrow, though. Tomorrow could be taken for granted because you don't know if you're going to get it. I'm I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I'm excited. we got a new year. When I meet people like Austin Byler, I get even more passionate about doing what we're doing here because these conversations, they... They energize me. They remind me Mm. that there's other people out there who think like I do. They understand the world enough like I do. And not that I'm unique. I'm just a regular Joe. I'm a human being like all of you. So I know with Austin's out there, there's probably 10,000 more people like him out there. And there's probably another 10 million people beyond them, like them out there. And that's exciting. That's the kind of stuff that fires me up. And it gives me energy and fuel to continue forth and have purpose, as you stated, which is just so very, Mm. very important. So, I'm out of control here. I'm full tilt now. I've lost my way. I'll stop now. I want to thank Austin Byler for joining us. Major League University is the place to be. Follow him on Twitter at AustinByler14. That is his Twitter handle. Uh, He's on Instagram too. Is it the same handle?
2: Same handle without the 14. Yep. (laughs) Just eliminate it. (laughs) Without the
1: 14. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't use Instagram as much. Uh, I'm sure everywhere you need to find him, you can start at MajorLeagueUniversity.com. Of course, the Sandlot Project is brewing. We talked about that earlier in the show. That's a big one. Go check that out at MajorLeagueUniversity.com. NFTs, helping people, helping youth programs for baseball. These are good things. They're going to make a difference in the world. I love it all. I just really think this is a unique idea, and in five years from now, we're going to look back and say, dude, we had Austin Byler on the show, and it was awesome.
2: I appreciate that, man. This was a blast for me, man. This was so much fun. So uh, thank you for everything you do and for having us on here. And uh, keep spreading the good word, man. Love the positivity.
1: All right. This is officially the longest outro ever, so I'll wrap it up. I'm at MJ MJGovie on Twitter. Of course, Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Utah, give me two. Please sub our YouTube channel. We're on the push to 200 subs. Also sub the Major League University YouTube channel, which you can find through MajorLeagueUniversity.com. That's where it all starts. Austin Byler, you're the best. Everybody, thank you so much. We'll be back with another show next week. Welcome to 2022, everybody. All right, lads.
0: Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. (laughs) And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and
1: still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right?